gospel lesson for this morning is from the 12th chapter of Luke, verses 49 through 56. Listen for the word of the Lord. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three, they will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. On you, O Christ, the solid rock, we stand. And we stand ready to listen, to hear what you will for us through Christ's And we pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth would indeed be pleasing to you as you redeem us in this difficult age. Amen. It's jarring, right? Given the state of the world, this passage from Luke challenges some basic basic assumptions of how we want to understand Jesus and his message. With daily accounts of violence, animosity, and distrust coming to us every day, we come here longing for peace. But here in Luke, Jesus predicts a long division, hastened even by himself, between households, among families of the world. As we carry in worship and in life our many anxieties and concerns, we prefer a martyrly like Jesus who encourages us not to worry about a thing. But here we find a blurry-faced Jesus who, instead of longing for the good old days, is stressed out as he longs for the days that will come. And lastly, with our weather patterns Stuck in stifling misery, we yearn for a scripture that soothes and cools like a calming breeze, like a balm in Gilead. But in Luke, Jesus promises to come to us as a blazing fire, and he speaks of scorching heat carried by southerly winds. For worship today, we had every opportunity to skip this heated text assigned by the lectionary calendar. 
After all, in our tradition, the lectionary is a, a guide for preachers and churches, not a mandate. So we could have easily gone with something a bit more cool and more palatable. But this given text is a good match for the times. This given text names for us that which is a given for us. That is, brutal heat, long-running and simmering divisions, and of course, lingering stress. As Larry Hayward has so often taught us, we are drawn to Scripture not only because it names what is possible in the realm of heaven, but because it also describes what is real here on earth. And if Jesus was speaking of our future when he said those words so long ago, he did a great job of predicting what life would be like in August 2016 here in the nation's capital. Therefore, even though what Jesus says is jarring, in a sense, his words are not all that surprising. They tell us a reality that we already should know and do know quite well. So then why should we listen? Why were these words and are these words given to us when they describe for us that which is a given? I think it's because we need the signs. The next time you're in the car, I want you to look for that roadside sign that says, no turn on red when pedestrians are present. That sign has always bothered me. Do we really need to be instructed not to plow our steel-framed cars into the frail human flesh of people walking across the crosswalk or preparing to do so? I mean, what would happen if we didn't have the sign? I'm sorry, ma'am, I, I totally blanked out there. I completely forgot that I'm not supposed to hit you when you draw across the, the street. If only there were a sign to remind me of that. It's truly amazing how often we need to be told that which we already know is a given. Caution, McDonald's warns us. The contents of your coffee cup are, newsflash, very hot. This practice finds its way into everyday speech as well. How many times have you heard somebody begin a sentence by saying, to be honest, or let me be candid here, and do we need such a preface? Oh, okay, so now you're being honest and candid with me. Whereas everything up to this point has been a bundle of lies and deception to distract me from all truth and reality, now I can listen to what you have to say. And then there's this verbal gem where someone says, it goes without saying. <laughs> I unleashed this on someone this week and followed it by doing the very thing that every person does who begins a sentence in this way. That is, I said the very thing that I so forcefully had asserted needed not to be said. 
Why are there so many of these seemingly unnecessary signs or ways of speaking that draw our attention to what we should already expect or know as a given? To be honest, I have an idea. Let me be candid here, because it goes without saying that we live in a world where too many people in cars hit pedestrians, or too many customers sue businesses that dare to serve hot coffee in a world featuring gravity. A world where it is hard to believe that what the person is saying might actually be the honest-to-goodness truth spoken with authenticity and candor. Where the preponderance of perspectives and realities leaves us unsure of what should actually go without saying. Our signs and our ways of speaking are not the problem. It's our collective need for them. We need these devices because we struggle to pay attention to or act in light of, in light of that which is or should be known as a given. I think this is why Jesus condemned the crowds and called them hypocrites. They were able to interpret the presence of clouds in the sky to mean rain, or the shift of southerly winds to predict heat, but they couldn't interpret their present circumstances as the very signs pointing to the fulfillment of a cleansing and cooling baptism that Jesus sought for himself and for the world. For Jesus, the heat, metaphorical or real, and the divisions of his time were real and were meant to be understood as authentically connected to and not separate from the fulfillment of his ministry on earth. They were like roadside signs direct, directing traffic to the world that is to come, the world that he wishes and wills into being, a world submerged in and risen from the waters of baptism. Now, in saying all this, I am not making the leap that all of this present heat and humidity are sponsored by Jesus, or that he's cranked the dial on the earthly oven to cook up the kind of societal and familial divisions that will somehow lead us to a better world. But maybe, as we live and move in this heat and in our divisions and in our stress, we're missing something that should be obvious to us, but isn't. Missing the idea that these givens of our world are not separated from the fulfillment of what Christ wishes for the world, but that they are very much connected with that fulfillment, perhaps even signals of it, calling us to pay attention and participate in the new life. These hard and difficult givens that we know too well might signify not Christ's absence, but his presence and movement in the midst of them. I wonder how many of you saw the opening ceremonies to the Olympics in Brazil a week or so ago. In between the commercials, the Brazilians endeavored to tell something of their story as a nation and as a people. And they started, interestingly, not with 
themselves, but with the beginning of life itself. It was a carnival-like rendering of the opening pages of Genesis, of creation emerging in stages leading eventually to the first steps of humankind. Eventually, though, the story took a darker turn as it visually narrated the divisions brought about by colonialism and slavery. Soon after, the dancers of the show moved in such a way to acknowledge the deep conflicts that continue to run through Brazilian society, divisions of class and race and economics. It was remarkable that Brazil would name and acknowledge before all the world the conflicts and the divisions that for them are a given, but that which they very easily could have ignored or glossed over in order to provide a show that was more palatable. And in naming those difficult givens, they were able to attend to and move toward a new way of living, not only for themselves, but for their world. The host nation kept with the tradition of having each visiting country parade into the stadium behind their flag bearer, each team wearing their unique uniforms, setting them apart from one another. But once they gathered in the center, unlike previous Olympics, the athletes were not asked to stay within the boundaries assigned to their team, but were invited to mingle, to blend all of their flags and colors such that divisions became something else, a beautifully mingled differentiation. Brazil, for all of its present troubles, in a symbolic way was able to live into the world that can be by being honest and attentive to the world that is. This is what Jesus seems to be urging his disciples and the crowds around him. Pay attention to be, pay attention to and be honest about the world with all of its difficult givens, but not only with the eyes of lamentation, the eyes of expectation. It is so easy to become dismayed and disillusioned, and therefore not to really pay attention to the divisions, pay attention to the stress or even the heat, but to run from them or anesthetize ourselves from them. But by not being attentive, of not taking at face value what is real, we may not be able to live and move or drive in a way that gets us to where we are meant to go, in a way that is safe and life-giving for others and those who are most vulnerable in life's treacherous intersections. Division is a part of faith. And it isn't necessarily just a division between those who are on the right side and those who are on the wrong side, those elected for salvation and those not. It's the reason why we have so many different Christian denominations, all worshiping the same Lord, but doing so with a dizzying array of differences in terms of belief, structure, and practice. When our session, the governing body of the church, discusses and votes on an important matter, there ought to be dialogue and debate. The votes shouldn't always be unanimous. A lack of unanimity is not a sign 
of lacking faith. And it should go without saying that having faith means having a point of view. And that having a point of view means coming into contact with friends, family members, colleagues, and tweeters who have a very different point of view. The resulting friction generates heat. It generates stress. The very heat and the very stress that Jesus named and held for himself as he led his followers to bear witness to the new world that was to come. We listen to this text. We listen to this Jesus. Because the fire and division he foretells and the stress that he carries are indeed the givens that we need to see and attend to in our world and our life with clarity, honesty, and candor. The road to the world's fulfillment is hard and it is dangerous. Every little thing is decidedly not all right. And maybe we ought to worry with Jesus a little bit more and act accordingly. Action is not neutral. It is always for something or against another. So we must ask, are we acting on behalf of the world that is to come? Or do we long for the good old days that were not all that great to begin with? We will now gather at this table. And indeed, where east meets west, where north meets south, we enter as a people divided by our flags and are transformed here into a cornucopia of color and festival delight. Let us attend to the signs leading us to this table and the ones that lead us out. Even if they trouble and jar us with the givens of this world, because these are the givens in which Christ lived in which, and in which he moves among us still. Thanks be to God. Amen.